This is VLX number 37, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Judge not, that you be not judged. God grant you his peace. Let's begin in prayer. In nomine Patris, Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. God, our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our actions, intentions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. In nomine Patris, Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. From Matthew chapter 7, our Lord says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. I have some very important lines from the saints today, so again, please endure two super quick announcements. First is that I'm putting all these videos on BitChute. BitChute is my backup in case I get kicked out of YouTube. Find me on Padre Peregrino on BitChute. I think it might be just one word, though. And my second announcement for the day is I'm making my release time earlier. It's going to be at 8 a.m. in Europe and 3 a.m. on the East Coast in the United States. Still Monday, Wednesday, Friday, always alternating the VLX, which is this, my scripture series, and CPX, which is my catechism or doctrine series. Okay, so as we start with the method of St. Bruno, let's look first at that first verse. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. Now, we've all heard that a thousand times, but it's actually one of the scariest verses of the New Testament or Old Testament. Romans chapter 2, verses 1, sheds some light on it. It says, For wherein you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you do the same things which you judge. Listen to that again closely. For wherein you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you do the same things which you judge. Now, that's the Dewey Rhymes Bible with thou change to you. But that should really scare you because what if... Whatever you judge another of, you automatically fell into that same sin. Has it happened to you before? I bet. But really, think of the last thing you, say, gossiped about on another's sin, and then imagine if you fell into it yourself automatically. It's not that far-fetched. God actually lets that happen to Christians. Father Lapide quotes Cassian, who writes on another Desert Father's account, quote, a certain abbot called Maques was wont to relate of himself that by God's permission he had fallen into three faults for which he had judged others and had been punished for them, end quote. Think about it. If God is going to let a desert father who's living on about a piece of bread a day and maybe two hours of sleep at night because he's praying all night, fall into any and all sins that he judges another on, are you and I safe? Now, not that God causes any sin, of course. I'm not saying that. That would be blasphemy. But perhaps, perhaps we lose God's protection against any sin that we judge another on. So one of our best protections against sin is to never judge another. Now, does that mean I just have to go live in a cave where I don't see anybody? Because, I mean, we see people sin all day. St. Bernard has very, very practical advice on this front. He says, quote, Make an excuse for the intention with which a thing is done when you cannot excuse the thing itself. Set it down, if possible, to ignorance inadvertence. In other words, when you see someone sinning who you're not going to correct for their salvation, make an excuse for their action 
And when you can't excuse the action, excuse the intention, attributing it to ignorance or carelessness. In your heart, we're talking about. So make an internal excuse for another's mistaken intention if you can't excuse the deed itself. That's not me. That's not a modernist theologian. That's a doctor of the church in, I think, the 13th century, St. Bernard. Now, again, I add on to his words. That's true if you're not going to directly correct a person for their salvation, as it says in Ezekiel 33. Um, so if you're not going to do that, say your spouse or one of your children, or rarely when you meet a stranger or a friend and we're called to correct them for their salvation, besides those examples, just be quiet to others about it. Because again, St. Paul, for wherein you judge another, you condemn yourself. And our Lord today, judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. So that's a great line you could bring to prayer today, perhaps with that Desert Father story that whenever he judged another, he fell into that exact same sin himself. Very scary, but very encouraging if you think about it, that it's just this simple, that the best way we can stop sinning is to simply stop judging others for their sins. Now, let's look a little bit at that line we know so well, but I want you to consider the Greek today. Our Lord says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Speck is a good translation in the ESV right there. By the way, I usually use the ESV, which is very similar to the RSV Catholic edition. I figure that the Douay Rhymes is often too antiquated to bring a mental prayer, and obviously things like the New American Bible would just translated very poorly. So kind of a middle route that I use is ESV, but feel free to use whatever Bible you want. Anyway, I think speck is a good translation there. Father, Father Lapide says karphos, for speck right there, karphos is a tiny particle of wood, quote, such as easily gets into the eye, end quote. So you know when you're sawing something and a speck of wood gets in your eye, it's smaller than a chunk of wood, but bigger than a dust particle, it seems probably about the size of a maybe grain of sand. But if you're doing woodwork, you know that's enough to get in your eye and make it so teary you can't see anything. But notice today's gospel is worse than that. It's actually the beam in your own eye and the speck in your brother's eye. Think about that. A speck would have been enough to make you lose your vision. But our Lord says it's a beam in your own eye. Now, we'd be even blind with a speck in the eye, but how much more blind if we had a beam rammed through our eye? Or maybe we could say the beam is already there, so how could we possibly see? I'd really encourage you to bring that to prayer today, that we're totally blind ourselves before we judge others, and maybe that makes it even worse. Now, again, the one exception to this is taking care of another salvation for whom we're assigned by our duties in life, and occasionally those put in our path who are sinning big time. Okay, dokos in both the ancient Greek and the modern Greek is beam. Karphos in ancient Greek is speck, but in modern Greek sounds a little like nail, but is even a little bit different from that. Sometimes things change through the centuries. The word nail isn't important here, so no cool connections on that. I just want you to hear what the Greek sounds like since those two words are still around and since we look so much at the Greek. Dokos, the beam in your eye, is our first word. Listen to how a modern Greek woman says dokos, probably pretty similar to how St. Paul would have said it, except in a masculine voice for him. Dokos. 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 Karphos is the speck of wood in your brother's eye. Karphos. 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 
And to wrap up the apophatic method, we might want to just close with one more story from the Desert Fathers. By the same account, an abbot dealt with and corrected his criticizing anchorites. He filled a sack with a great quantity of sand and put it on his back and carried before him in his hand a basket with a very small quantity of sand. When asked why he did this, he replied, That bag which holds most sand is my sins, and because there are many I have put them on my back, lest I should grieve and lament over them. But the little quantity of sand is the sins of my brother, and they are before my face, and in them I exercise myself in judging my brother. So what he just said there is total irony. A lot of times the church fathers would do something called prophecy and action. They'd live it out almost in sarcasm. So what, he's, what he did is he had a huge backpack full of, sands that he, full of sand that he admitted was his fault. And this tiny little basket, and he was staring at it. And people said, why are you doing that? He said, because I'm focusing so much on other people's sins. In other words, as I focus so much on this little basket of other people's sins, I miss this huge thing on my back. And in doing that, he obviously convicted all the other anchorites. Anchorite comes from the Greek, those set apart. So those living in the desert apart. What he was saying there is, when I focus so much on this little basket of sand in front of me, I am purposefully ignoring this enormous backpack full of sand, which will drag me to hell. Timestamp. As we look at the method of St. Ignatius, I want to take you to the part of the passion where I personally find the most intimacy with Christ. It's when he is before Pilate the second time. Christ has already been scourged so that most of the skin has been taken off of his body. There he is at the top of the stairs there as you are below in the Roman Forum, maybe 15 feet or 30 feet below him. He has been crowned in mockery already with giant thorns that one of the mystics of the church said pierced his eyes and even went through his skull in some places. It was hit so hard under there. Place yourself in the praetorium at the bottom of the stairs the bottom of what they call the judgment seat in Roman times. And as you are there, watch the blood of Jesus slowly trickle down the stairs towards you as he himself humbly looks at the ground with a thorn piercing one of his eyes all the way through. That precious blood our Lord both dreaded to shed in the garden but also longed to shed for you so that you could be with him forever. Now call to mind Jesus in your heart as you're at the bottom of the stairs in the praetorium looking up now call to mind Jesus in your heart and see how not only your sins put that crown of thorns on Jesus and see how not only your sins against chastity cost the scourging, but now something even harder than seeing your sins against the sixth and ninth commandment. See your sins of judgment against others, like Pilate judging the Son of God. Our Lord says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged. Call to mind in your heart that when we judge another, even a guilty person in our lives, we are in some way re-crucifying Jesus. Now you might say, but Jesus wasn't guilty, and this person who hurt me is guilty, objectively guilty of that. Yeah, that might be true. And in that way, in no way is your enemy like Jesus. But we re-crucify Jesus when we are disobedient to him, and today he commands us not to judge. Yes, we are called to judge actions of others for our own safety, but not other people. And the only other exception, according to Father Lapide, is this, quote, Note that Christ here does not prohibit the public judgments of magistrates by which they condemn the guilty and absolve the innocent, but only private judgments, when they are rash, envious, or disparaging, is contrary to charity and justice, yes, to God himself, in whose office of judgment we would then usurp, end quote.
So we can judge actions, but we may not judge others' hearts. And it's even worse when we do this by gossip. Because if you noticed, Father Lapide just implied that when we judge others, we are stealing from God. And that is why we should see those sins, especially those very destructive sins of gossip, as the sins that have cost Jesus his life when he was unjustly judged before Pilate. Place yourself there and place your sins of judgment at the bottom of the stairs, at the bottom of that seat of judgment that Pilate sat on, judging an innocent man. And finally, my friends, your mental prayer on this series will be all the more clearer the less you judge others. Abbot Pastor once said, Disdain no one, condemn no one, and speak against no one, and God will grant you rest, and your sitting shall be untroubled. Please say an hour, Father, for me, that I may practice what I preach. At benedictio Dei omnipotentis, patris filii, spiritus sante, descendit super vos et manet semper. Amen.